Hey guys, just a quick one from me before we start this whole episode with Jake. I, I'm so excited to announce, this is the night before I post in this episode that I'm going to put this little bit in, and I am so excited, so, so excited, over the moon, to announce that my podcast, The Curiosity Complex, is now on Apple Podcasts. It's amazing, I'm so, oh, I'm so excited, I'm literally, like, the app I'm using, Anchor hasn't actually told me this yet, it hasn't sent me, normally sends me an email saying this is now available on the platform, but it's not sent me that email, so I've had to look for it. And I was wondering, you know, it's been it's been nearly a week, over a week now, in fact, that I've started this podcast and it said a couple of working days before it would be on most of the platforms and it hasn't been Apple for ages. It's really been getting me down. But now it is and I'm so excited. That's so amazing. Thank you, everyone, for your support. Let's get into this episode with Jake. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode, another guest episode of the Curiosity Complex with me, Nat. Today I have a really interesting guest who I've been friends with for a couple of years now down at uni. Um, He's going to talk about everything American football with me. So without further ado, let's get into it and he'll introduce himself. You're right folks, I'm uh, Jake, I'm 30 years old and I've been playing American football now for coming up to five years um, outside of American football. I'm a a learning disability nurse, works in adolescent mental health, completely polar opposites to what I do in my spare time. <laughs> Couldn't probably get further away if I tried. Yeah. Um, and then on top of that, I also do a bit of fishing. Again, couldn't be further apart. Yeah. And, uh, I also play some other contact sports, rugby, do a bit of wrestling, a bit of everything, really. Lovely. All right, well, let's start with the pretty basic questions of what inspired you to start playing American football. I know it's a, it's a bit of a weird one because it's an odd sport to get into. In the it UK. is, yeah, it is. Even though a lot of people are surprised to hear that it's been, you know, going since the 80s, um, kind of like 1986 was when it first first ar- arrived in the UK. Yeah. It's not something often people get into, um, but I've, I've always been a fan. And um, it wasn't really what inspired me in the sport to start playing, but the people that kind of got me into it. Yeah. Um, the, the one person that stands out is a, a mutual friend of ours, Ash Steele. Um, <laughs> yeah who uh, kind of collared me, um, the bit of backstory, Ash Steele is a bouncer in a club in Bangor called Cube. Yeah. And um, he collared me um, on the way into Cube <laughs> in the uh, start of Freshers Week and kind of went, are you a student? And I was like, yes, yeah, 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 I'm a student, I'm a student. He went, uh, do you fancy playing American football? I was like, oh, my God, I thought I was getting chucked out. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, following that, it was kind of the, the, the presence of people that were coming up to me during Freshers Fair just saying, I want you to play, I want you to play, I want you to play. That yeah. just kind of made me give in and go, yeah, okay, I'll come and try it. And once I tried it, I was hooked. Yeah, lovely. Well, that's actually a good little segue into my next question, which is what do you enjoy about playing the sport? I mean, I've been playing contact sports since I was a toddler, really. I got into rugby at a very young age. You know, the youngest age that you could play rugby, and I've played it all my life. Um, so it's something that comes kind of natural to me, being six foot two and 24 stone, yeah. obviously, um hitting people is is quite an easy thing to do <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Um, yeah well actually i've experienced it so yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah and also you know i've always been into team sports you know the camaraderie of a team sport is kind of the situation that i thrive in growing up around rugby clubs and then moving into uni and being part of uni teams the camaraderie of a team is something i really thrive off yeah yeah i think that's a big shout out to the Bangor mud dogs actually they, they have a great a great sense of camaraderie within that team and that's also yeah. A big factor for me when I started playing as well. Yeah, it's 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 a strange environment, university, because you don't know these people, or you you, you know you don't know them for a short amount of time. Yeah, you kind yeah. of all bottlenecked into this social situation that forces you to be best mates within. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Three weeks of meeting them, you know what I mean, and then you you do you you force you're kind of forced into these relationships because you don't know anybody. You move to a fresh place, and of course, then, yeah, you know, yeah. These these um kind of um new friendships seem to blossom a lot quicker and the, and the mud dogs is a perfect example of that you know yeah definitely team. definitely yeah yeah one minute we're kind of saying hi to each other in a pub the next we're headbutting each other on the field it's great and carrying um, each other <laughs> yeah um so what is your favorite football memory so far uh I've, I've got a few obviously um if you go to a university and your university has a varsity you'll know that Varsity is a massive thing. And in Bangor and Aberystwyth, who are our counterparts in Varsity, it couldn't yeah. be a bigger thing. <laughs> yeah. So certainly captaining the Mud Dogs to a massive Varsity win at home 
yeah. um, has got to be up there, as well as coaching the Mud Dogs through through a varsity um, varsity teams. It's always always a great day. Um, but you know, outside of uni, I also played for the Chester Romans, uh, a Division One Brit Ball team. And um, uh, last year, we managed to get into a Brit Ball final, which was televised, which was unbelievable. We moved yeah, up to, two to Division One. Um, we played over in Newcastle against the Aberdeen Roughnecks, who unfortunately got the better of us that day by three points. Oh, um, three nil was the was the sport, which is almost unheard of. In, <laughs> that's in ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, that's crazy. But getting there was was a was a great experience. A personal highlight was getting um, up against Staffordshire Surge, who are well known as having a, a hard nosed offensive line and um, yeah. me being a defensive lineman playing nose tackle, you know, I'm right in the thick of that. And um just making the the opposite man this this hard nosed legendary Staffordshire Surge centre who everybody was telling me was, you know, gonna be a real um opponent for me and just yeah. make him look absolutely silly was was <laughs> one of the biggest highlights of of my yeah. football career, definitely. Awesome. That sounds great. So what would you say, obviously we talked about uni and the uni experience, and then you also mentioned adult ball as a um, a game people can get into. So what would you say to people that are thinking about, and maybe they've watched a couple of NFL games and they've thought, yeah, that, that looks like fun. That looks like something something I'd like to do. What would you say to people that are thinking about playing the sport? Definitely give it a go. You know, I, we get a lot of people, especially with coaching and playing in the uni teams, they kind of say, oh, you know, there's, there's no way I could play that. I'm not big enough, or there's no way I could play that. I've got no experience, and it really doesn't matter, you know. And it's it's come easy to me because I'm a bigger guy. But and you know, then positions have been forced upon me. But you can literally play any position with any size. I mean, you know, you know yourself with the uni team. We've, yeah. we've had lads that have come along that have been four foot nothing, or about three stone wet through, and they've dominated on the field. And you know, I I really would push forward for anybody to to give it a try. And even if you don't like the contact aspect of it, you don't like the team, you don't like the you know the sport aspect of it. Definitely for the team aspect. Yeah. If you, you know, if you're you know not really a confident guy, and you you know you haven't got many friends, or you've got one or two friends, just pushing yourself into that team environment definitely in, instills more confidence in you and gets you better friends, or not better friends, but more friends. <laughs> I'd, I'd argue better friends as well, to be honest. We're closer. <laughs> I think um, I, I agree totally. That's definitely the reason that I got into it as well. You know, I had, I was a player on the team um, when I first joined Josh Howells, who was, he literally, he was about four foot. I, I don't, if he's listening to this, I don't know how tall you are. I'm very sorry, Josh. Uh, but he was smaller than me. I'm five seven. I like to say I'm five eight, but I am actually five seven. Um, <laughs> I, so, I like to say six two, but I'm actually six one and three quarters. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm five seven and a half. So I ran up to five eight, but I'm actually just five seven. So yeah, he, he was <laughs> he was he was smaller than me, and on the first day of freshers, he walked up to me and was like, "Hey, do you want to play American football?" And I was like, "I mean, yeah, but I'm I'm tiny." And, but he was like, "Yeah, look at me." I was like, "Oh, I guess that's not yeah, that'd be right." And yeah, then, I used to do that quite a lot with a, with another little lad on our team, you know, Jack, the little running back. Yeah, yeah. And I always made sure that he was at freshers first because he was the smallest player on the team, or yeah, even literally. you know, lived another you know. A, quite a, a, a small petite girl and these lads are come along and go, oh I'm definitely not big enough to play and you let come here or Jack come here <laughs> yeah literally Lydia's Jack just like you know what unreal. stop yeah. being stop being stupid you can play this game yeah yeah alright well you've already mentioned uh, you play for the Chester Romans adult team and mm-hmm. you know we played for uni for a couple of years so what would you say having experienced both sides of it what would you say are the biggest differences between the two the two games just experience of the players that you're playing with yeah. You know, um, and I know when we were going up through the Mud Dogs, you know, we looked up to the likes of, you know, Kurt and Jacob who've been playing for, you know, these are these are, you know, the senior players who've been playing for two, three years. Yeah. And you looked yeah. up to them as, you know, the most experienced members of the team. Whereas in uni ball, in um, adult ball, sorry, you've got people who've been playing there twenty years. Yeah. You yeah. know, as as long as I've been playing rugby, and you know, they're the guys who still not might not even be the most experienced. Um, yeah. Exactly. So definitely experience and also size. Of course, yeah. Um, I've I've gone from being the biggest, probably the biggest guy in our league in uni. Most to, definitely, yeah. To being not even the biggest guy on our offensive line. Well, well, probably actually yeah. one of the smallest people in our offensive line, <laughs> which is a bit of an alien, an alien position to, for me to be in, really. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, definitely, it, it's definitely the difference is you know the experience level and and the, probably the size as well. To be fair. Yeah, I mean that's a ridiculous thing coming from you, sink. You know, you are six two, and. 24 stone i'm i mean if it came from me i'd say you know i'm five seven and about 13 stone so there's no real there's no comparison there so you know i went for a tryout with my local team 
and the guys there, they were like, oh, do you want to play linebacker? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were like, oh, okay, this is the group. So I walked over and they were all absolutely huge. And I was yeah. like, are you kidding? I'm going to die. I'm actually I've, going to die. I've always said, like, the, the people who play adult ball in certain positions, you know, our middle linebackers at, at Chester Romans, if they came to the Mud Dogs, they'd be nose tackles. Exactly. They'd be, they'd be massive. They'd dominate the game. Exactly. And it, it's really strange going to play for an offensive line where, you know, you've got people who are, six foot six and pushing 28 30 stone and you know it's just ridiculous you, man. you've coming up against them and you're you've always been the biggest dog in the yard and yeah and now i've, I've never felt like such a terrier <laughs> oh wow yeah so that must be quite an interesting experience then is it yeah. been it's been difficult to transition from uni to adult ball I wouldn't say it's been difficult. You know, the group of lads I play with have been have been brilliant, and luckily, um, you know, coaching and playing with the Mud Dogs has kind of set me up with a good base set of skills. So going into it, you know, I wasn't as unexperienced as they were probably expecting me to be, and I wouldn't say so much. It it set me up, and I've gone, oh my god, this is really daunting, and it's put me on the back foot straight away. Yeah, but it's probably it's probably not made me as confident as I would be going into it. And normally I'd be going and thinking, oh God, I'm, I'm bigger than everybody here. Like I'm yeah, yeah. the mud dogs, you know, the, yeah. the person who, who was the nose tackle before me was um, a lot smaller than me. So, you know, I was coming in thinking, oh my God, I'm, I'm bigger than all of these to now I'm going, well, I've really got to turn up now because yeah, yeah. some of these guys are massive. Yeah, exactly. All right, sweet. Well, I mentioned earlier, you know, the NFL, and I think a lot of people, if you're listening and you don't know very much about American football and, Terms like nose tackle, offensive line, defensive line. If any of these don't make any sense, um, don't worry. Uh, firstly, um, thanks for listening as well in, in the first place. Uh, but obviously, the NFL is one of the main reasons that people know about American football in this country a lot of the time. Um, so let's just talk a bit about the NFL for a minute. I mean, what team do you support, Jake? The New York Giants, Big Blue. Yeah, and why is that? Um, they were they were kind of the first team that I I really got into. You know, luckily when I was when I was a kid, I had the, the opportunity to go to a lot of foreign countries with my parents on holiday. Yeah, New York was one of them, and there was the first place that I kind of got introduced to American football. You know, I think um, you must you know it must have been a long time ago because I actually think the Giants were in the playoffs at the time, so it must have been <laughs> yeah, yeah that that's long ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and um, you know, it was just blue everywhere I went. And, um, yeah. <laughs> and that, it kind of got thrust upon us. And I think I ended up getting my first ever Eli Manning jersey. Um, and it, it just felt like the right team to get into when I eventually did get into the sport, you know, a few years later. Yeah. And, the, you know, the, the one of the teams that are one of the only teams that I've actually seen play. Luckily, I was I was lucky enough to go with, with Ashdale again, ironically, to, <laughs> to see the New York Giants play the um, LA Rams. And yeah. they just, they seem to be every time I have a... Um, Every time I have an experience to do with the NFL, the Giants are there. So it just seemed like the obvious choice, really. Yeah, fair enough. And obviously, we've already alluded to the fact that the Giants have been struggling in recent years um, for That's many reasons. Put it very nicely for us. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to be too harsh. I don't want to come across as a mean, savage person. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know I can be, but you know. Um, I, I don't... Um, Obviously, the Giants, personally, I don't think the Giants are going to do particularly well this season because you've got a QB battle that's, you know, a bit up in the air at the moment. Um, yeah. how, do you, how do you think they're gonna gonna go this season? Oh, uh, you know, I think we've had a lot of, a, a lot of setbacks. You know, um, losing probably, well, arguably the best wide receiver in the league and Odell yeah. Beckham Junior. Yeah, there, yeah. Um, and now you know he's being replaced by a, a couple of people who you know would have been the, the second and third choice last year, and now we're getting forced into that first position, like Sterling Shepard, who's struggling with injuries and coming up yeah. probably is going to be the guy to go into that first position. And as you say, we've we've got the struggle at QB at the moment. We've got Eli Manning, who's probably on his way out. Is yeah, um, over the last so. couple of years has really been struggling, and now we've got this this new guy coming in in Jones, who's you know like a, a mini Eli Manning clone. Yeah, um, literally. <laughs> it looks like he's going to kind of take off where Manning, you know, left off. But yeah, you know, Manning was always really good because he had them receivers to go to. Yeah, of um, course. You know, he's always had Cruz, he's always had Odell, Odell Beckham Jr. And now, unfortunately, we've got this Manning clone who's coming in without the wide receivers to back him up. The only yeah. one saving grace is, you know, that we've got the, the son of God himself, the best running back in the league, Saquon Barkley. He is a fantastic running back, that's true. Um, so, luckily, you know, he can he can hopefully come in and, and put them hard yards in and hopefully take us to his, to at least a positive season. Yeah. Um, hopefully, we, we don't end up, you know, with them, them big, you know, like a, a two-in 
whatever season or yeah yeah a losing with... bad losing season <laughs> let's be honest, I mean no, it could go that way I I think the only your only saving grace really is probably Evan Engram at tight end and your Saquon Barkley freak of a man but if if either, I think if especially if Saquon gets injured you guys are gonna probably struggle to make yards throughout yeah. the season. Yeah, and you know, we're also struggling at defence. We've always had, you know, that big defensive line have always been famous at the Giants. You know, we've also we've always had snacks, we've always had JPP. Yeah. And now, you know, who who can you think of on our defence at the moment apart I from mean, maybe Peppers? You lost Landon Collins, didn't you? So that was yeah. a pretty big blow. I liked I liked the way he played. I think he was useful to you, but well, unfortunately, you know that's the way the league works, isn't it? Yeah, he was. He was one of the players that really stood out when I went to see uh, the Giants play LA Rams. Yeah, him. He yeah. had that play where the it was. A, I think it was a pick six that he ended up running for like twenty eight <laughs> missed tackles on that's one just, play. That's ridiculous. Yeah, and now you know, only two seasons later, he's been replaced by a, a third year safety who you know was more of a special teams um, connoisseur in in peppers there. So. Yeah, and I think we're going to struggle on both sides of the ball. I don't, I don't think we're going to be making big marks, but hopefully a, a nice rebuild year. Is yeah, what yeah. To expect. Yeah, fair enough. All right, cool. Well, um, obviously, flipping back to kind of your background a bit in the sport and sport in general, uh, you mentioned you played rugby since you were very young, and mm-hmm. you still you still do play rugby, don't you? I still do the mighty yeah. boss, unlike the soap boys. <laughs> yeah, and um, so of often I think in the UK yeah. definitely there are some big comparisons made between Massive, rugby yeah. and American football um, how, how have you found I, I played rugby as well so I could wade in on this a little bit but you obviously you've had years of experience in rugby and a good decent experience in American football so what mm-hmm. differences have you seen and found out of the kind of the generic oh American footballers wear pads they're, they're soft and all that sort of thing yeah it's weird because obviously playing with in both them sports I think the differences are massive yeah um, and, you know, when you try to explain that, people just go, oh, so it's just rugby then. And, yeah. you know, it, it's not, <laughs> you, you really start tearing your hair out. No, it's it's completely different because it is completely different. Um, I But then that comes from somebody who's played both sides of the ball. You know, rugby is, is really fast paced. You know, you're not, you're not, although you are setting up, you know, um, things for you, for your backs to do, things for your forwards to do, you know, you're setting up them set pieces. Yeah, It's yeah. not like American football in the sense that you've got a playbook and, you know, you've got a certain amount of downs. In, in hindsight, we probably should have done an episode explaining American football. I was going to say, it's going to start to get difficult for people that don't, don't know what we're talking about. But yeah, I think, um, to be honest, I might, I might do a little segment because this app allows me to make different segments within the, within the podcast. So I might do a little segment um, every time we... Every time we say a word, I'll just put a little bit like this means this and that. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll see how it goes. I'll have a think. All right. Um, I think the biggest difference that I found, and let me know if you agree, is actually the way the perception of the pads and the helmet. Yeah, people often go, you know, oh yeah, yeah, you're you're really soft. You know, play rugby. They don't have any pads. They don't have any helmets. They have scrum caps, which are like three inches of a bit of you know material. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, but the, it, you're you're thinking of the pads and the helmets as protection, whereas yeah. I see them as weapons. Uh, yeah, like and that's the, that's the weird thing, isn't it? Yeah, and coming from from playing rugby, you know, I I play. It, well, it depends what team I play for. If I do play for our first, you know, I'm playing prop. But if I play for our seconds, I like to play a bit of eight because I, even though I'm a big guy, I do like to run with the ball. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I, my perception of somebody in a scrum cap in rugby is, oh, why is he wearing a scrum cap? You know, yeah. he's not like getting his hair pulled. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, when it comes to American football, I'm like, I need my pads and helmet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because exactly for that reason, like you say, it's it's not for protection whatsoever. For for people that don't know, in American football, there are no tackling rules. You know, short of head to head contact, you know, aiming with your head, using your head as a battering ram. You know, that's kind of the only rule. You know, it's it's got to be below a certain point. You know, you've you've got to wrap your arms. You can't swing your arms into tackles. You've got to follow through with your tackle. There's none of that in American football. So you are using, you know, the pads on your shoulder, and as a lineman, my face cage is is my biggest weapon. Yeah, um, yeah. and j- just to put it in perspective, I have I've been playing rugby for what well, I'm thirty now. Um, I've been probably been playing rugby for twenty five years, and I have never been knocked out while playing rugby. Um, yeah. But um, playing American football for five seasons, and I got knocked out for the first time ever. Um, you know, this season. Yeah. Um, so it shows, yeah. you know, it's, it's people just saying, oh, you know, you're wearing pads and helmet, you know, the wimps rugby. It's not, it's not whatsoever. Um, yeah. I mean, and you, you seem to learn that very quickly as soon as you get into pads and helmet when you're training. 
Well, that's the thing. There's plenty, plenty of examples. There's an example between me and you. I don't know if you remember. I was um, I was playing at middle linebacker, and I I was on a blitz, and you were playing, I don't know center or something, mm. and I. <laughs> on on the O line, and I I went for a blitz, and I saw you, and you kind of just stepped into my gap. So I just put my face cage into like your stomach, um, <laughs> and then and then I got about maybe like a couple of feet of of traction before you just kind of lifted me off my feet and pulled me forward. Um, and then like a, a, one of our players on the team, currently the kit sack of this year's committee, actually Chris, um, he had a face cage issue. He had his arm against his body, I think it was, oh, and a face yeah, cage, yeah. and he pretty much snapped his arm. He broke his arm. Um, well, I mean, you see my finger when we were playing. Um, yeah, who were we playing? I think it was Keel, maybe. Yeah, we were at home, weren't we? No, we well, yeah, we were at home, but you know, in our home JMO. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, you know, my my finger to this day is still the shape of two bars of a face cage because I got yeah. it in between mine and somebody else's. Yeah, um, I mean, I remember the amount of finger injuries. You were just like, if someone else got it and then you got one, you were just like, yeah, just put some. Put some electrical tape, you'll be fine. Just oh, wrap it up. I'm yeah. playing rugby, I've thrown my fingers so many times. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. All right, well, I've got a bit of a difficult question for you now, actually. Um, out of rugby and American football, which sport do you prefer and why? Oh, that's a horrible question. No, I'm so sorry, but it you, just has to I'm be asked. You've got to get stick no matter what you pick. <laughs> yeah, um, of course. I, th- I think... I... Oh, I don't... I honestly couldn't tell you. Um, I honestly love playing both and I mean I think at the moment I do a lot more American football related stuff yeah um, you know I'm, I just finished the season with the Chester Romans I've recently been named head coach of the Bangor Mud Dogs congratulations by the way thank you very much and still their defensive coordinator so yeah, I, I seem to do a lot more American football based stuff but I think that's because now I'm I'm situated myself in Wales rather than living back home on you know, on the Wirral, where back on the Wirral, it's all rugby all the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think it, I kind of, I've kind of split my life into two. You know, my American football life in Wales, which is yeah. strange to say, and my my, my rugby life back home. Um, but I definitely couldn't put a pin in one that I'd say is definitely my favourite. I, th- I think I like them both equally. That's fair enough. I'll let you off. That's diplomatic. Which is the biggest, I like it. The biggest sit on the fence answer. You know, <laughs> You're absolute liberal Democrat. <laughs> all right. Well, um, that's a good. You're a great guest. You know, because you keep pushing me into the exactly the next question i'm going to ask i love it so <laughs> as you say you were recently appointed the head coach of the Bangor mud dogs yeah. um so i guess the main question is what are the goals for the upcoming season that you kind of set yourself on the team just, just building you know a working team and building a base um anybody who's played any uni sport will know that you know you build a team over the three four years that you have them guys yeah and then you unfortunately lose that kind of that experience and you have to start building again yeah um unfortunately two years ago which was my year as captain of the mud dogs we lost probably the majority of our starters i think it was like 14 starters it was a big blow yeah it was a big blow and we just come off probably one of our most most successful seasons um you know getting into the playoffs and um having a really positive season and in being you know um, only losing one game all season yeah um and then we've come into a season um last year um, where it was really a big build for players, um, getting some experience, building, um, you know, a coaching staff that could give the players some experience. And now we're in the second year of that build. Unfortunately, we've lost a great asset to the team in Gaz, um, who you know has been a long-term head coach of both the Romans and and the Mud Dogs, and yeah. a plethora of experience and knowledge that. Um, that we seem to have lost, and now I've I've come into that role. So I want to build not only a, a team, you know, with with some experience that we can that we can use, but you know, instill that new ethos of the kind of ethos that I I tried to instill when I was captain. You know, I'm quite a, yeah, I'm quite a strict person when it comes to you know timekeeping. I hate being late. I don't like my players being late. Um, you know, when when we are training, you know, you're here to do a job. You're not here to mess around. As much as I will be, as you know, the first guy to start messing around when yeah it, yeah when it's um, appropriate, I, I don't like that in training. So getting that kind of ethos and that group dynamic instilled um, ready for a season next year, where hopefully some of our third-year players, fourth-year players, can yeah. really start to do some damage on the field. Yeah, I think that's the big one. The kind of fourth-year players are the, a lot of uh, the hinge point, I think. You know, our, our best seasons where you were captain and Kurt was captain were kind of when we had the, I think the highest level, highest number of kind of third and fourth year players in the team. So it's definitely a, definitely a good point. Yeah. Um, you kind of touched on them a bit, 
but um, in terms, you know, not standing for lateness and things like that. What are the, the kind of the biggest challenges that you're going to face, do you think, when you're in this next season as head coach? I think it's going to be the, the same challenges that, that any new head coach has. You know, um, again, I don't know if anybody knows enough about American football to know that a team works off a playbook. Um, but I've, I've created my own offensive playbook, which I've kind of gifted to our new offensive coordinator. So instilling that brand new playbook that nobody will know anything about is definitely going to be a massive challenge. Yeah. Um, luckily, our, our defense have had a year of running my playbook on defense, so they kind of know what that's doing. So hopefully that should be instilled a lot quicker. Yeah, but definitely. It, that's the problem with uni ball that you don't get in, you know, adult ball. In adult ball, people have been playing with the same playbook for years, and you know they're yeah. really, they're really used to the playbook. They've got head coaches stick around for a long time, yeah. And you know they have 10, 15 years maybe of a playbook. You know that they know in and out. Yeah. Whereas yeah. in uni, you have three years to learn a playbook in and out, and especially like our first games in November, um, freshers come into uni in September. You know, two months to instill a whole new. Um, offensive playbook is going to be a real task so probably definitely, that's going yeah. to be the, the biggest challenge definitely yeah okay and how are you how are you planning on dealing with that um pass it to the offensive coordinator and have nothing to do with it i think we, we've got a um a, a returners camp that we do every single year so um you know the the second year third year fourth years all come back a couple of weeks before the freshers arrive and we have like a, a veterans mini camp um and that'll be the first outing for our um offensive playbook get yeah. everybody who already knows kind of what they're doing to adopt that new playbook and learn it themselves so that they can pass it on to the rookies rather than me have to do it myself um yeah fair enough yeah you know that that, that brother sister kind of mentality that we try to instill in the mud dogs of you know yeah. players taking them rookie players underneath their wing and kind of getting them not only through their football life, but their uni life as well, um, is going to be a good tool to use for, you know, also instilling playbooks and getting them up to speed, the kit and everything like that. So I think that's going to be a good tool. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So as you mentioned, you know, you were you were defensive coordinator last year, mm-hmm. um, which is a role I think you did really well at. Um, and obviously the D, like you mentioned, you've already had a year of your defence. Um, uh-huh. Have you planned any? Are there any changes for the defense that you've got planned? Or are you going to just stick to the same old that we had last year and kind of um, try and get that more nailed down? I think luckily our, our defense was something that we could really rely on last year. I mean, yeah, I agree. You, yeah, you know yourself from from helping me out with it that um, you know it was the defense kind of helped pick the offense up when they were really struggling. So we were yeah. able to really rely on them, and I'm hoping that's going to be the same this year. Even though you know, again, we have had some losses in. You know, a, a really a key player. You know, um, in a in a being our nose tackle, who a lot of being a defensive lineman, a lot of my playbook is hinged around the defensive line. Yeah. And now we've kind of lost that big personality and that big man up front. That you know, now we need to fill that gap. And that I'm hoping that it's going to be the same, and we're going to be able to to hinge our defense yet again on him, or we might have to change it to one of the more experienced positional yeah um, leaders. You know, someone somebody at middle linebacker who might be able to pick up that role. Yeah, um, but hopefully, I'm hoping, fingers crossed, so it's nice and easy. It should be the, the same old, same old for the D. Um, Perfect. Yeah, and obviously, some of my weird and wonderful plays will come into it after a long night shift where I've got nothing to do but draw up plays. <laughs> so, I love, I love those sessions. Yeah, we had training <laughs> sessions um, where Jake would kind of run onto the field with his big whiteboard. You know, I've still got that whiteboard in my car. I just I, totally forgot to get back to you. I'm gonna um, have to get a new one. I'm probably ruined by now. <laughs> <laughs> on a, yeah, on a side note, I do still have that in my car. Um, but yeah, Jake would often at training just run onto the field with with this big whiteboard, and he'd have like these little squares, and in the squares, he'd have different plays, and he'd call them elaborate names, and we'd all have to work them out, and it'd be really fun. Um, so I'm sure there'll be you'll be seeing a lot more of that over the season if if anyone gets a chance to watch the games. I hope um, so. so, you know the moving into the kind of the league side of things uh every year for just to explain to the listeners every year um a team gets promoted and and all that sort of thing so and teams get relegated from the higher leagues so every year there's kind of a, at least one new team to play um and this year you've actually got two i believe yeah we got a, um, fair, a fair few new teams yeah you got a couple of new teams you got manchester and then manchester metropolitan i think yeah. you might have one more actually in that Manchester Sirens um, are somebody that we've we've played before, um, yeah, but went game. went up and came back down, and then we've got Manchester Metropolitan Eagles, who I never remember playing, but apparently we have played in the past. But they're new, well, yeah. they're new to the league, as well as Lancaster Bombers, who were new last year. 
Yeah, I think the leagues, um, the leagues get changed around quite a bit. Obviously, it's based on uh, location in the country, but that location is often quite a quite a grey area, you know. Um, so we could we could potentially be put in the same group as someone like Edinburgh, um, people like that. And we do play Edinburgh if we get to the playoffs. Um, uh-huh. Very frequently, we played them two years ago now. I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a good game actually. But yeah, the um, so with with that kind of the new teams, have you got any? Um, any strategies for the new teams that you're going to be playing? Obviously, like you say, we played Manchester Tyrants before and they were a difficult game. Um, are you anticipating a difficult game again? And the same for Man Met? Yeah, um, I think you'll always go into every game we're going to play with a certain degree of difficulty. I think our league this year is one that's um, going to be a difficult one. Um, you know, we've got Liverpool Raptors who are always a, a hard team and always a well-drilled team. Um, Manchester Tyrants um, have always felt like they're in a different league. Yeah, and, I know what you mean. Yeah, the, the only saving grace we have is that their um, their starting QB actually plays for Chester now, and um, I'm his left guard at Chester, and now I know everything about him. <laughs> it's always handy to know. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, um, Manchester Metropolitan, um, the Eagles. Um, I've been quite good at getting in touch with their head coach, and we've swapped film already. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Um, for those who don't know, in, in American football, you know, a lot of teams film their practices and their games, and then their head coaches swap game films, so you can kind of get a bit of an upper edge. It's quite strategic. Um, so we've been doing that, and um, hopefully I'll, I should be able to get the jump on the majority of them. Aberystwyth, yeah. obviously a team we know very, very well. Yeah. Uh, we play them three times a year. Um, you know, our one of our ex-coaches is their head coach, so it's, it's a team we know brilliantly well. Very true, yeah. very true. So, um, again, for, for the listeners, every time a new, you know, the league gets shuffles around, new teams get put in and a team get relegated, and then you get that kind of league. Um, and then once, the, obviously, the league's announced, you've got to give your, your game schedule, so when you play all the different teams. Um, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, the schedule for the Mud Dogs this year is uh, very heavy quite early on. You've got some quite difficult teams back-to-back yeah, yeah, very early on in the season. Is that right? Heavy early on, yeah, is is the um, the kind of ethos of our season. <laughs> yeah. so we're just going to have to be ready for it early, which doesn't really help when I've already said that, you know, the biggest issue we're going to have this year is installing the new playbook. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, between the, the 10th of November and the 8th of December, we have five games. Wow, Jesus. Um, and the all the teams that I imagine are going to be, you know, the, the, the issue teams, the, the three teams, you know, Liverpool Raptors won our league last year and unfortunately yeah. didn't, get, didn't get moved up. And they're, as I keep on saying, a very well-drilled team. Extremely, yeah. Their head coach is a premiership head coach and has been with Merseyside Nighthawks for many years. Um, Tyrants handed us our only loss in probably one of our best seasons ever. That was a horrible um, game, yeah. It was. Um, you know, Eagles is a complete unknown to us and not having that time to prepare is is not great. Lancaster Bombers again have come down from Div One, um, yeah. And then just to round it off, we've got Edgehill Vikings, who, although not one of the you know one of the best teams on the league, definitely one of the more hard nosed teams, um, and always hit hard and always are up for a, a bit of a scrap. Yeah, that, I think the the key with the Edge Hill players were they had key key players in certain positions. They I remember we played them um, when I got injured actually in the third year. Yeah, it would have been third year when I got injured in that game. They had that Shropshire Revolution guy playing in the in the slot. Yeah, uh, and then he moved to QB last year and did us some damage. And then they've yeah. got um, another guy. I think he plays adult ball uh, at safety. Who was he was a really great player. It's whether they've you know whether they've stayed. I'm assuming the Shropshire Revolution guy that was QB last year won't have won't be staying. Um, I I don't know because we have played Shropshire Revolution this year in adult ball at the Romans and and it, he, I think he's their backup QB. Yeah. Um. So I don't know whether he's going to be sticking around, but we, you know, we have got. Um. I don't know whether he's going to play for them, but a bit of a um, uh, a known evil in that the nose tackle will be on nose tackle <laughs> from last year. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So you know, there are some familiars there. The good thing about uni ball and Brit ball and everything like that is, it's, it's it is quite a small community. So playing adult ball, you do get to know people who play for the uni, and you know all the coaches are the same. You know, like I've said already, Liverpool Raptors head coach is also the head coach of Merseyside Nighthawks. Yeah. Um, MMU Eagles head coach is uh, Manchester Titans left tackle. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, yeah. You've got Edge Hill Vikings head coach is also the head coach of Lancashire Wolverines, who we've yeah. played this season. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so they're quite interchangeable in the way. So 
the good thing about playing adult ball is you do get to know the playbooks, you know, by proxy. You know, I, because I played Lancashire Wolverines, I'm going to know what the ethos of Edge Hill is. Yeah. Because, yeah, yeah. you know, because I kind of know the QB from Tyrants, I've, I've got an idea of what the offense is going to be like for them. So that's lucky in a sense. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, well, um, let's move on to a bit more about the the players of the of the Mud Dogs. Obviously, I think one of the biggest challenges within the team in general is the personnel that you have available to you. Um, yeah, and I know we found that as struggle last year with the defense. You know, we had players not playing out of position as such, but playing in, in positions they weren't necessarily suited for. And I think mm-hmm. that's the way the way it goes a lot of the time when it comes to uni ball. Um, so how do you how do you plan on balancing the the personnel within this next season and the upcoming seasons? I think it's kind of like a it's something that I don't necessarily like in uni ball that we seem to always have this idea of because people are going to be playing American football for maybe only three years or only four years. Yeah, people want to try lots of different positions. Yeah. So instead of you know having somebody who's really really good at one position, you end up with a lot of seniors who are jacks of all trades. Yeah, um, yeah that's it's true. Not necessarily something that you know really helps the team. Although you know I want people to to play the position they want to play. And if they want to play all positions, they're all welcome to. But I do like people to stick to to one, and if not one, definitely two positions. Um, so definitely trying to keep seniors in the positions that they're good at is is definitely going to be one thing that I'm going to try and try and push for. Yeah. And I think for, for anybody else, again, who doesn't know a lot about American football, you have a thing called a depth chart, um, which I'm sure you would have in every single sport, um, but maybe not as... Um, not as planned as it is in American football, where yeah. you essentially you have the say um, your position, say outside linebacker, you would have your starting outside linebacker who would be number one on your depth chart, and then under that you would have you know number three, number two, number three, number four, and they would be the people that were ready to go, say uh, as Nat always does, say Nat gets injured, um, which is, <laughs> you know every week without fail, um, you know then is number two <laughs> ready ready to go on. Um, so definitely keeping an organised depth chart is something I like to do um, and I like to have that visible for the players to see where they are and see, you know, oh, I'm number three, um, you know, if I, maybe if I make a few more trainings, I, I might be pushed up to number two and then maybe in them trainings I work a bit harder, you know, I could be a starter I, Yeah, definitely. I think that it's something that really built for me um, coming into the sport was knowing that there was somebody who had that position and the reason that I'm not playing at the moment is because, you know he's better than me in that position yeah, and in my first year, um, you know, something that is is quite rare for a first year. I was in my in the starting position, nose tackle, within you know three games, and I yeah. came for the full three yeah. years I was there, um, because I knew what the depth chart was. I knew who was behind me, and they kept pushing me to be better, so that I kept that space. So I think having a workable depth chart is definitely something that we need this year. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, it's it's quite difficult, obviously. Um, like you say, there's there's always going to be the first, second, third, and people can get disheartened. Um, are you have you got any kind of motivational things that you're going to employ throughout the season if someone does get disheartened? You know, they get they drop down the depth chart or they go, yeah, you know what, Jake, I really, I really don't like the way I'm third and in the depth chart. I think I should be second or first. You know that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, it, it's always a depth chart can be one of them double edged swords. You know, it is going to either um, make people excel so that they get better, or it's going to dishearten people to the point where they're like, oh, I'm number four on the depth chart. What's the point? Um, you know, maybe yeah, I'll exactly, try yeah. Some, Maybe I'll go and try something else. Um, but I think definitely always is that your phone? Yeah, my bad. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> um, definitely being someone who people can always come to for advice, and you know, being an, an accessible head coach is something definitely that people need. But also instilling, um, you know, something that we've done before in um, positional heads, um, having experienced players in them positions. You know, an experienced linebacker who can kind of head up the linebackers and say, this is what you need to be doing if you want to be yeah. up the depth chart. And, you know, don't get disheartened by it. You know, it, it, the, having the depth chart visible isn't for everybody, but, you know, this is what you need to do. And it, just being the kind of person who is noticing everybody on the field. Um, I don't like these head coaches who kind of speak to their positional leaders and go, who do I need to play? You know, I, yeah, I, I want yeah. to be able to walk around the groups and be, you know, I know this is the guy you need to play because I've been, I've seen him in training. You know, I'm yeah, not, yeah. I'm not just over there with the offensive line or the defensive line, you know, um, taking training with them because that's what I know. You know, I want to be a bit of everywhere. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. I think um, it's also important, obviously, being in a similar position, um, having to deal with depth charts like we were for the past kind of four years we were playing. I think um, it's important to not understate that the value of the gym as well. I think like people often go, well, you know, I'm working out in training and I'm, I'm showing up to film sessions and I'm showing Jake that I'm, 
you know, being really, um, really proactive in what I'm doing, mm. but I'm still not getting the starts. I'm still not moving up the depth chart. And I think one of those reasons can often be, well, you're not in the gym. Like, yeah. come on, you need to be in the gym because the gym's so important. You know, if you don't have that, the muscle or the the strength to deal with the game, you're going to get injured. You're going to get like it's going to start to really affect the way you play and and your depth chart rating, obviously. Exactly. So I think if people are listening and um and they've had experiences of depth charts or just good advice in general is is the kind of the the outside stuff. So not just turning up to the specified training sessions, doing training outside of training the specified sessions. You know, yeah. going to the gym, doing things on a doing sprint work on a field and things like that are really important outside of you know the training sessions that the team does together. Exactly, and we, we have that we have that um that already instilled in the Mudlogs and at the Romans. You know, like that kind of even if you don't know what you're doing in the gym, yeah, it does. You know, and, and get in the gym with them. I've always had a love hate relationship with the gym. Um, you know, I've I've been through kind of spikes of going every single day to not going at all for months and months and months. And, yeah, you know, and then working hard in the preseason and getting that kind of that that good start and then going, oh well, I'm I'm on top of the depth chart now. What's the point in carrying on? Because yeah, the, the, gym is, the gym is not something I like, you know. If, if you've seen me, you'd think, oh, you must be in the gym, but no, no, not at all. I I have a proper love-hate relationship with the gym, but I know that you know, <laughs> when, when I'm playing, I do probably need to be there. And and that is the thing most of the time that, that does set me back. Yeah. So definitely, and you know better than anybody with, you know, not only your experience in sports psychology, but the fact that you're injured all the time. Yeah. That in the gym, you know, is the best place to kind of nurture them injuries and, and you know, stop yourself from getting injured. 100 percent that's that's the reason i i, I made it through three seasons like, I, like you say I, I did struggle i had shoulder issues and knee issues from pretty much the first game of the first year exactly but, we've but, only got about one and a half knees between us haven't we yeah literally like glass knees glass knee crew stand up you know oh wait we can't it's like the whole like it's all that kind of getting into the gym doing rehab work try and get someone that genuinely knows what they're doing to give you rehab work and strengthening exercises for particular areas that you're weak in. Mm-hmm. So I, over the three years, I did so much work on my shoulders and so much work on my knees to the point that like, that's all I focused on in the gym and everything else kind of like slipped by the wayside. You know, I didn't really yeah. focus on my, my bench press, I didn't really focus on anything to do with my, you know, the, the exercises that, would for some people really help like hamstring exercises for sprinting and things like that. It was more just the kind of building the shoulders and the muscles around the shoulders, such as like the triceps and the biceps and then doing the, doing the, all the kind of the quadricep muscles, all of these exercises that are really going to be useful for you. If you have specific injuries that you know are going to hurt throughout the, the season. Um, all right. Well, final question for you. And we've already touched on this a little bit. Um, but what are some of the things that you want to instill? I know we've already got the kind of gym, uh, got gone through the gym gym side of things, and you know, pushing players to go into the gym and get help from people that know what they're saying, things like that. Mm-hmm. But what are some of the other things that uh, you want to instill in the players and the team for this next season and the upcoming seasons? Yeah, well, I mean, there's there's two sides that, that you know you need to you need to look at, especially two sides that, that I think I need to look at from from what I do in my my career as, and what I do in my personal life with, with yeah. American football, you know, there's there's things that I want to do with the team and the players inside it, but there's also things I want to do with the social aspects of the team because I think the social aspect of a uni team is incredibly important. Definitely, yeah. With the players and team, it's just instilling the idea of kind of discipline and, you know, we're, we're here to do a job, we're here to work. Yeah, don't get me wrong, studies come first. There's a lot of things that come before uni sports for a lot of people and they, they need to be dealt with. But deal with them and then get on the field. You know, I went through three years of a degree as a mature student, um, you know, and quite a challenging degree. And I never missed yeah, yeah. a day of, of practice. You know, the same with a lot of people in um, in our team. You know, you, we've, I mean, I know you've already spoke with Nico. Nico was a, a, a prolific member of our team for many years. <laughs> True. And even though he was doing all these brilliant things to do with marine biology and doing a master's, he never missed a day of training. Yeah, and he, plus that, he, lived, he lived a long way away as well. Yeah. And that that organisation and that discipline is something that you need to instil early. You know, we can all come in and have fun and have a mess around for two hours on the training pitch, and then we get to the game on Sunday and we get our bums handed to us. And if yeah. you want to, if you want to do that, more power to you. But we don't have a place for that at the Mud Dogs. You know, we're we're a proud traditional team who likes to hit people in the mouth and take wins. Yeah, and that's what I want to do. Um, also, I like to instil. Uh, a sense of once that helmet goes on you know it's work and 
once that helmet goes on, you know, it you completely change as a person. Like I say, in, in my career, I'm a nurse. I'm a, you know, a really nice guy. I instill therapeutic interventions into people's everyday life <laughs> to make their lives better. Yeah. But as soon as I put a helmet on, I am a horrible, horrible human being. Yeah. And, you know, it, that change, I think, is, is integral to an American football team. And, you know, that's something that needs to be instilled. We have um, a player at the, at the Mud Dogs who infuriates me because he is the nicest guy in the world. <laughs> but he plays a position where there is no room to be nice. And, you know, it, it took me a long time to find a bit of aggression in him. Yeah. Um, but when we finally found it, you know, he played so much better. So definitely something that we need to instill. But on the social side, I've, as I say, I am a nurse. I care a lot about people's mental health, you know, about people's social health and their psychological health. And I think instilling a massive feeling of camaraderie inside the team is a massive thing to do. Um, although our sport is mixed and we, we do have females playing in a in a pretty male-dominated league, it is male-dominated. And, yeah. you know, toxic masculinity and male, male mental health is something very close to my heart. And we need to combat that. And that is something that I definitely want to combat when it comes to... Uh, to our team um improving people's social health is something that you don't really hear a lot about no very true yeah and i think the perfect place to do that is is a uni sports team and being in uni some of the some of the darkest days i've ever had were in uni and it was this team that picked me up and built me back up same with the romans and um, yeah. i was going through a lot when i first started out with the romans and they were the people who kind of picked me up and said you know oh, you know come and play for us we'll go and smack seven bells out of somebody that'll make you feel a lot better <laughs> yeah yeah no, I definitely agree. Have you got any? Uh, I remember last year there was some mental health initiatives that I think were quite. Uh, I want to use the word pioneering uh, mm. in terms of, like you say, uni sport and within within Bangor uni sport. Are you have you got any plans to kind of continue those? And what what were they in the first place? And then how are you going to continue them? Yeah, definitely. I mean, something that I installed while I was captain was the, was the brother and sister project of taking these veteran players who had been through the mill a bit. Um, you know, got the experience and setting them up with freshers. You know, you, as we've already touched on, you you come into university, you know, you're and you're very alone. You're in a new place, especially in Bangor. It's the middle yeah. of nowhere, and it's a very small place, and everybody knows each other, and it can be really daunting when you first come into things. So, getting into a uni team and getting you somebody who's been through it before with a bit of experience really does help. And they don't help just help in the sport side of things. You know, they're there to get you know tell you where your lectures are to, um, you know. Take, bring you to their house for you know your first nights out and look after you and make sure you get home yeah yeah um, and it's like it's like having a little older brother which is exactly why we call it you know the brother and sister um and i think it's important that we instill that as well yeah definitely and also yeah. you know getting people getting people the help that they need straight away we've we've had lots of players myself included who have really struggled with mental health while in university and, um, you know, the universities, although they, they try their best, they're not always the best at getting the help because they're so strangled by, by everything else that comes with being a university. Yeah and, yeah. and, you know, team sport is definitely something that, that helped me and has helped a lot of the people that I know and getting people into sport. I th think the, the sports initiative at Bangor is brilliant because it's definitely, all free. Yeah. You know, everything at Bangor is free. You can get into something, especially a sport like American football, it's really expensive to get into. Um, for that to be free is is unreal. So it's a, it's a really good opportunity to get in the gym again, which is free for freshers. Then to get into a sports team, which is free, so that you've actually got money to eat, which is good. <laughs> yeah, great. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think getting into sports and them them initiatives that we use inside our team are really going to help. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, firstly, a big shout out to the Bangor Students Union and Athletic Union. They do a great job year in year out. As much as we as much as we bash them for budgeting things and etc etc they do do a fantastic job of keeping things free and helping us out um and i guess coming back to the whole like you know you mentioned earlier on in this podcast the whole sports teams almost force you to have a friendship exactly and and build these bonds with very strong bonds with people that you wouldn't ordinarily talk to outside of you know your lectures or whatever and i think that's really helped that certainly from my experience helped me deal with any issues i was having because you always had you've got a team of at least 50 guys and girls that and and half of those you'll know extremely well, and the other mm. half you'll still consider good friends if you don't know them as well as others, obviously. But that that camaraderie that you have with a, a big group of people can really lift you up and really help you out. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of the mud dogs listening, and probably people in other um, other listeners who have played uni sport or sport teams that get very close, probably experience a similar thing. You know, it does really really help to have someone there that you can genuinely 
talked about anything because you know you've seen their their highs and their lows and it's really a really, really useful thing to be doing at university exactly yeah, yeah. and you I mean and you see people at you know kind of the top of the yogurt part at their worst you know you, you see yeah. them kind of pulled back because it's it is kind of like a, a heightened emotional environment to be in that you're away from home you're missing your family and then all of a sudden you you've dived into this social group of 50 really confident lads who are you know we're all pushing for the same thing and it's it's quick to get caught up in that and then you notice these these people that kind of stand out as being the people that you look to and I think it's it's just so handy when it comes to university and I know a lot of people who've struggled through university without joining a sports team and I've the first thing I always say is why did you not get into a team yeah you know 100%, yeah it, it gets to the point especially when it comes I'm sorry to keep on mentioning Bangor because people won't even know where Bangor is in the world but <laughs> um you know it gets to the point where you can you can go out on your own and it's like you're down your local because you know everybody because they play hockey or they play football or they play rugby and all of a sudden you get to know everybody we have really close ties with the rugby league team with the rugby yeah, league team yeah. and you know you, you end up mixing with all these people and having mixed socials with cheerleaders who um you know suddenly end up being your best mates as well and like it seems to be being a captain on our team means that you have to have a girlfriend who's a cheerleader it's like the law <laughs> it does seem that way doesn't it yeah the, the past five now yeah so, <laughs> it, it, it's such and again you improves your social health so much yeah, definitely. I, t- I totally agree. Yeah, that's that's a big point in general. I think, like you say, that kind of main point of actually, get, once you get into university, joining a team is so so integral because they do give you a great a great in to a lot of great people that you wouldn't meet ordinarily. Exactly. All right. Well, um, that finishes it for um, the podcast episode today. Um, so, Jake, if you've got any final messages for anyone, um, now's the time. Yeah, I just I can't implore people enough to, to get into sport and whatever that may be, whatever your interest may be from tiddlywinks to American football, you know, just get yourself out there and get involved. And especially if if you have the inkling to get involved with American football, really do jump into your, to your local Brit Bowl team, your local uni team and get involved. Yeah, definitely. All right, great. Well, Jake, thank you so much for coming on and being a guest on the show. Not a problem um, anytime. I had a I had a great time and I'll definitely be inviting you back to talk about who knows fishing, wrestling. That'll, that'll be a boring, boring <laughs> podcast. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I'll, I'll I'll connect with you a bit later and then we can try and work something out. But yeah, stuff. thank you so much for being a great guest. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I did. And also to the listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. If you didn't really understand, I do apologise. I'm going to weigh up the options. I might put in some stuff about. Um, explaining the terms I might not it might get a bit bitty that way but yeah I'll, I'll see how it goes um, so thanks everyone for listening I uh, hope you have a great evening um, it's goodbye from me and goodbye from Jake see you later folks all that's left to say now is thank you so much for listening to this episode with Jake I hope you enjoyed it I know I did um, a little announcement from me I've started creating the pages for the podcast um, you know dedicated official pages so that's on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram, all called The Curiosity Complex. So give that a search, give that a like and a follow, whatever you need to do. I'd really, really appreciate that. And if you could share it as well, that would be even more fantastic. And, um, you know, I'm still always on the lookout for guests as well. So if you have literally anything that you're passionate about and want to talk about, then send me a message and we'll try and sort that out. Have a great time. Thanks very much for listening. See you later.